This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the We Are Her podcast. This is your host, Emily Kemp, and I have a guest with us who would like to remain anonymous, so I'm not going to use their name, but they do want to introduce themselves and speak a little bit about who they are, so I'm going to turn the floor over to our anonymous guest, and you can uh, share what you'd like about yourself. Um, yes. Um, hi. Hello. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, quick introduction, I guess. Um, I'm at a... St- I'm about to turn 20, like, two months, so that Woo-hoo! gives you, like, an age frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm a current third year at a four-year university, so I'm excited. I'm a first-generation Hispanic student, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, do you mind me ask asking what you're studying? Oh, um, I'm studying industrial engineering. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself, I think, yeah, it's just nice for our listeners to get a little bit of a sense of who they're they're listening to. Um, and with that being said, I'll just turn the floor over to you and kind of get to the story sharing piece of the podcast, which is what we're all about. Um, but really, you can start sharing however you want um, in whatever way feels safest and makes the most sense for you. Okay, um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of just share how I found We Are Her. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I, I found you guys actually through Instagram. I'm not particularly sure, like, if I just saw it recommended or anything. But I started clicking through your um, your account and seeing the, your posts. And it really resonated with me. A lot of the your content actually applied to me. And I honestly, I can't remember the exact, like, vocabulary. But some of the words that you finally defined for me were, like, kind of just blew my mind. I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> I do that. That's happened to me. Um, but no, during that time when I found We Are Her, um, I was actually going through some things with my like abuser. And I had finally reached out to get some help with the local the police, the police department. And I had finally just kind of gotten rid of myself of them. So um, it was really, really helpful to like, it just felt like I, my experience was validated. Because at that time, a lot of people were telling me were like, well, your abuser provides for you, your abuser does this, that, and a third. So like, why would you, why would you call the police on them and stuff? Why would you take action against them? But when I was, when I would find like downtime and I could look at your content and I looked through, I could really connect with what you were saying. And so it, like I said, it just validated how I felt and my, my decisions. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I made those decisions, even though not everyone's going to be on board with it. I think like specifically I remember now was how you guys always discuss how it's kind of difficult with like the legal mm-hmm. um, journey, yeah. like going through that. And that's what we were facing with the restraining order. And then how my abuser kind of had like um, a hold over like housing and some finances. And so that was all kind of sifting in. 
And I was like, okay, so this is normal. I'm not just because like the, the, the system's pushing me back doesn't mean I'm wrong. It's just because like, this is just, I don't know, um, yellow tape or whatever it's called. But, right. um, and you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Like if you have never like language is powerful and like having things defined and validated is powerful. If you haven't had that and the people around you haven't had that and the justice system sure as heck hasn't had it, then it's like really confusing. Um, so I'm glad you were able to get that validation. That's really cool to hear. So I was just looking through and then, um, I guess I just saw that you guys had applications and I was just like, um, you know what? Why not? Like I just went through that and, um, I I wasn't really talking to anyone about it. It was just, especially with quarantine and I know I could be on my phone all day, but I kind of like blocked that out too. Cause, um, I, I don't know. I just, I guess the distractions, I didn't want them. And so I just applied to that. I just applied and I, I don't remember what I wrote down. <laughs> I, I think it might've been super brief because it was just probably like five seconds and I sent it in. And then once I got an email from you all saying that, Oh, we're actually interested. I was like, no way. Like that's even like makes me feel, I don't know. I just felt like, oh, okay. Someone is going to listen to me. Like, Oh, like it's, it's not like no no one's gonna like not everyone can like I'm not always going to get ignored yeah and that's the whole point of the podcast is um not everybody likes writing their story either like we are her started as a blog and so we had a lot of people reach out that were like you know I really want to share my story but like writing is not a thing for me so like is there another way I can do this and and so that's kind of how the podcast um, started. And so it's really cool to hear that, like, it's been so meaningful for survivors, because that's really the whole point is, you know, we want to educate. But for me, if I could, you know, if, if we can make a difference for even one person with the podcast, that's sort of the dream. Oh, I, I 100% think you guys did that, especially with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, we're really excited <laughs> to have you on it. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, so you found We Are Her in a time where you really needed it. And that's like super validating for us to hear. Um, But do you mind talking at all about kind of like what led you up to that point and like needing We Are Her at all? Um, Yeah, that's, yeah, I can talk about that. Um, So, okay. Um, It's kind of like a, for me, it's really messy, but I'm pretty sure once I explain it, it'll get more simple. But um, so I grew up with my abuser, right? They raised me or whatever. Um, so um, I would see them abusing my siblings. And to me, in my little mind, it was more like, okay, just don't do what they did. <laughs> like, don't don't make the mistakes your siblings made, and then you won't get hurt, right? And so very quickly, it became, it's it was like really quickly became my fault for everything. For every time something would happen, it would obviously be because of my actions. So for the longest, I really didn't see that my abuser was my abuser. And it wasn't until my, uh, one of my siblings told me, she was like, are you like blind? Like, uh, I don't understand. And I, I was still, I was, I think I was in high school when she told me that. I think, or middle school. Are they older no, definitely. or younger? Yeah. Oh, my sibling was older. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think. Yeah. yeah. And so I was in high school and she told me that. And like, once she told me that, it was kind of like this wall kind of came crashing down. And I kind of just like realized, holy cow, like <laughs> I am, this is just horrible. I don't have to put up with this. Like most of this stuff isn't my fault. And, um, and, and I figured that out once, um, I was pretty much the only child in the house and, um, I was kind of on my own. 
So that was even made it worse, I think, because when I was under that little, I guess, what is it called? Like Sherlock or syndrome or what? Oh, it? um, Stockholm syndrome kind of. <laughs> Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, Sherlock syndrome. <laughs> She's solving mysteries, folks. I love Honestly, it. Honestly, yeah. That's how We're it just going to call it Sherlock syndrome, whatever. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, but when I was, you know, going through that with him as like seeing it as my abuser wasn't a bad person, then it was fine because I had a friend. But as soon as I figured out, I kind of felt really alone. And so it just kind of like, just it like, it was like lonely times, like a thousand. Cause it was like, oh, okay, I don't have a friend in this person. And I thought I did. And, um, and it, it also, it was hurt. It was my sibling telling me that. And it was also because my abuser had gone a long time without actually like physically abusing one of us. Um, emotional, like verbal all day, every day, whatever. <laughs> like, but physically, it had been a long time since that happened. So, but the first time he started back up again, it was with me. And I, you know, I was like, why me? Like, I've tried to, you know, I've done everything I could possibly do. I've tried to cater to this person. I don't understand why you would choose me out of everyone. Um, so that, that also kind of like led like another, like, it was like another, I don't know, another like, cause for me to start opening up my eyes to see that I didn't have to live that way I think also going off to college like realizing oh people usually don't have to yell at you to for you to do something for them I was like oh that's really surprising like no one has yelled at me for like three months so going back home whenever for holidays or anything and getting back into a environment where it's really toxic was became super apparent Oh, so you like once you got away, you had something like to compare and contrast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that also opened my eyes, and then quarantine, just like being just being with them all day, every day, like being in such close quarters with them, it was horrible. I was like, okay, this is so this is definitely not for me. I can't, and it just got to a, like a climax with their episodes of just being completely erratic. Um, I, I just had to do something about it. Even like the other people in the household didn't want to do anything about it, but I was like, this is, this is not the life I want for the people I care about. So you either come along or you can just, I don't, I have no idea because <laughs> I'm not, I can't do this. I at least, I at least have to say that I did something, you know, I attempted to do something. Yeah. And like, like you said, like wanting to take care of the people around you, but like, how can you do that if you're not even taking care of yourself? You know? Yeah. That was actually, I didn't realize that was a really big part of it. Cause there's yeah. always, I was always like, had to kind of just push away how I felt at the moment. Like, Oh, I'm really upset right now. Cause I really don't want you talking to me this way, but you still, you're, you start, you're still telling me I have to help you. So I'm just going to push away those emotions you're making me feel and just finish the goal at hand. So when I was trying to take care of everyone else in my family, trying to stick up for them, I kind of just, I didn't realize I was doing it. I was like really just pushing, like disassociating myself from those emotions so I can, you know, try to get done what had to be done. Right. Survival mode, literally survival mode. You're just trying to get through the day and do what you need to do. And when you're dependent on that person for like, you know, life giving resources like housing and um, that makes it that much more complicated, you know, when people say stuff like, well, why didn't you just leave? It's like, well, 
<laughs> people don't generally like to like, you know, become unhoused and or homeless, you know, like yeah. what are your options? It's so much more complicated than leaving or staying, especially when there's family dynamics tied into everything. Yeah, exactly. And then like feelings that are like, I guess, feelings of care that are confused for fear or fear confused for care, whichever way. But I, I think I think that was a really big problem within the whole situ- our situation because it was not just me who felt that I was receiving care. I was being given like care. I was being cared for. It was actually just, um, you know, someone trying to ma- manipulate us. So I think trying to figure that out for me was kind of difficult. Well, very difficult. And then for some of the other people within the house, I, they still haven't realized that. So it kind of hurts seeing that because um, things evolved and um, how they played out was just kind of like, I've been, I, I just removed myself from that, you know, environment. And it just seems, it, I know like it's not like as happy as they look, but to me, like now it's like a family without me. But I just, I know, I, I know it's not actually a family. They're not, you know, not everyone's happy right now. I really hope they're safe. I really don't have any communication with them either. Yeah. Is that for your safety kind of, or? Um, no, um, it was just kind of, okay, you did this to me, so now you can't talk to any of us. Um, because that abuser is kind of like the head of the household. And I think that's just pretty apparent in like Hispanic families that the person who has the ability to abuse is usually the caretaker and stuff. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes it really complicated. I mean, like feeling like you're losing your your whole family, not just getting away from the person who's hurting you. Yeah, it really does suck because, um, well, growing up, I had to take care of, I have one younger sibling. And so I kind of just became like, they're like, I don't know, like a mother figure to them. Cause my mom was always working and, um, you know, my parents were always working. So they were, they could never really help them with home or help my sibling with homework or, um, teach them how to ride a bike or things like that. Just to, like basic things you learn growing up. So I was getting really close with my younger sibling and that was, I mean, my younger sibling was who I was trying to protect when everything happened. And um, when I finally reached out to the police and, um, I can't talk to him now either. So that like also really hurts. Cause it's like, no, you kind of forced me to have this relationship with somebody, but until it became inconvenient for you. Right. It was ripped away from me. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, there's, there's like the, the trauma of you being abused directly by this person. And then there's like this secondary trauma of like knowing that the people that you love are probably still being abused by that person, but you can do nothing to help them. So you're like a primary survivor and a secondary survivor, like all wrapped up into one. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really hope it's not as bad as it was when I had initially decided to do something. I don't think it is. Um, but I don't know, like, I don't, I, I probably shouldn't, like, sit down with myself and think about how I feel about the situation, but it's just, it's really tough, so yeah. I not to. Yeah, of course, but it's hard when you love somebody, when you, you know, when you care about people. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. I don't know, my parents always grew me up, especially my, like, aunts and uncles who I care a lot about, Um, they've always told me, like, oh, you know, school's really important for you, 
So I'm able to like direct some of the energy towards, okay, well, at least I can like get a career for myself. And if anything, I can pull them out of that. The abuser doesn't have to be the whole financial um, like foundation for them anymore. It could be me if I just continue with my studies. And so like, I'm just pouring myself out, like trying to get, um, you know, decent grades <laughs> above a 3.0. I'm not aiming for a 4.0, <laughs> but, um, you know, internships, co-ops, research position just so I can when I graduate I can hopefully help them yeah and like everybody is on their own journey with this stuff but like it makes a huge difference when there's a safe person that you can go to you know and they might not have a say right now a whole lot over their life but at some point they they might or and they will as they're getting older and becoming an adult and like people you know they're they'll they probably know that you're safe you know and if if shit hits the fan um for them they know that there's a safe person out there who who can receive them i think it's really yeah it's really powerful that you're like trying to create that do the work now and like lay the foundation so that in the future you can be that safe supportive person if they need it um yeah i actually got inspiration because right now i i'm not at in that household anymore I left and um, my older sister my older sibling she was actually able to give me a space because actually the same thing happened to her kind of um she wasn't she didn't want to she she didn't want to be there anymore <laughs> obviously and so she just kind of had made like a life for herself and she's amazing um and so I'm here now so I definitely want to pass that on. Um, it means everything to me, even though it's only been like, I've been here for like maybe a couple months. Those months mean everything to me. Everything's so much better now. I didn't realize that people treat each other pretty decently. <laughs> so it's really, it's really, it's really nice, like waking up and not being scared. Yep. Um, I know you had said like, when you decided to leave, that's when things got really bad. Or did things escalate at that point? So, no, things have had escalated. And Got then um, I decided to do something about my abuser's actions, you know, call the police, get a restraining order. That quickly fell apart. Um, <laughs> I The restraining order was under my name. So whoever wanted to take it off, the person whose name it was under was able to take it off. And eventually, I have o- other siblings, and they eventually kind of talked them into, you know, maybe you should just take it off. And, um, and then I was just like, oh, no, no, I'm actually just trying to keep it on because I want everyone to be safe. Like, I understand what I'm doing to the household, but I'm willing to put in my share of work to you know keep us afloat financially, keep us afloat together as much as possible. But once uh, my other sibling was in their ear, it was kind of hard to like turn it around. And it just went down from there, um, down as a sense of get- us getting away from the abuser not down as we were getting ripped up apart. But um, so the abuser moved back in and I didn't want to be, so I didn't want to be near this person. I was honestly kind of scared for my life, <laughs> but um, I, so I just left. Um, some people were upset that I left. There were some people who tried to convince the person who's giving me house housing now to not let me live with them. So um, it was kind of messy, but I, and it's the first time like, for me for to be like a hispanic daughter um whatever your parents say is like you have like to be a good daughter you listen to them completely there's no talk backs there's no oh but i don't think that's fair 
And for me to make this decision to move out was like super like, oh my God, like, am I serious? Like, uh, like, this is so weird. Like, I can't, I can't not listen to what they just said. Like, even though I'm 19, it's always like that. I don't know if you ever like seen those jokes where it's like, um, like, can't you just like leave? And it's like, oh, dude, like, I'm a minority. <laughs> and it's pretty much the exact same thing here. Like, I had, I was like really scared that I was like being a bad daughter. I was being selfish. I wasn't listening. Like, who did I think I was? And like, and when people, when I was, I would always hear people say, live life to the fullest, do things for yourself. Oh, I would always think, oh, that didn't apply to me. But like, once I was able, I don't even know what it was that kind of like, made me do something but once I finally had that idea in my head I was just like whatever like no one else is gonna do it for me yeah for a lot of cultures like family is everything and like family betrayal is like the worst thing you could ever do so so you're not it's not just like the barrier of logistics it's also this like internal narrative that you have to like fight through yeah exactly exactly because I feel like some of the other thing, aspects of my life is kind of wrapped around making my parents proud so like even going to the university that I'm at, I didn't, I didn't particularly wanted to go to that university, but my parents were like, if you go there, you know how, you know how good that would sound. Oh, you know, oh, you'd be a Hispanic at this university. And, and I was just like, I guess, like, I want to make you guys proud. Like, so exactly what you're saying, like, um, I want to show them that what they sacrificed for me was worth it. Because my parents, you know, they obviously they're they, not obvious, but um, they came from different countries, and um, so when they came here, uh, they didn't have much or anything. So for them to grow as much and to give me as much as I've had, I I really wanted them to know that I appreciate them completely, and um, so yeah some of my some of like the other aspects of my life is definitely aimed towards that, like trying to please them and trying to make up for the things they've done for me. but um, I had a really nice friend tell me that why she was like, they're your parents, like you didn't ask to be born, and when she told me that, I was like, "Oh my God, that's so selfish. <laughs> I was like, "How can you say that like, oh my God, and then like I just kept playing it in my head, and I was like. Yeah, and that's a good point. I didn't ask to be born. And that's um, my sibling who I live with. They tell me that all the time. They're like, I don't expect anything out of my children. Just because our parents did doesn't mean that was right. And like at first it was like this radical idea. I was like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> um, but now it seems it does it does make a lot of sense. And and I think you can still be family oriented and communally driven and like more communalistic. And you still have a right to like be be treated well with respect and safe. And like I see you being like, okay, I'm about to like try and do well in school and finish school so that I can you know, keep helping and supporting my siblings. Like that is family first. It's not that you don't value family, but you also value your own safety. And that's like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I would I feel so. Fair <laughs> I think some other people within my family just still see it as, oh, you're still going against like the head of the household. So you're actually not, you're going against them. So you just created more problems. Um, like fair point but this <laughs> i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna i can't go back there and pretend that this way of living is okay right yeah yeah um at the end of the day 
no matter how complicated things are, like no one deserves to be abused, like period, full stop, end of story. And whatever that, however that plays out is very individual to like the, the person and their identity and their culture and however they choose to navigate that situation. But that's kind of like the, ult, you know, I don't speak in hard truths very often, but that's one I, I believe in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you've been out of the house for a couple months now. I, I remember you saying something like, wow, I've learned so much about like, I wake up and I'm not scared. And I'm like, people are genuine, genuine, generally like kind to each other. Like what does now look like for you? Ah, uh, so like before my abuser kind of just like ingrained this sense of, oh, um, if you don't go out in the world with a degree, people are going to run you over. People are going to look at you and you're not anything. Um, you need to have a degree. You need to look good. Um, and of course, looking good was obviously by their standards. So like, my, I, I know like the listeners can't see, but like my hair length, I would have been called out for it completely. Oh, this is ridiculous. You look insane. And well, I've been out <laughs> looking like this for a couple months and, and no one's <laughs> been mean to me. Wait, tell so why? Because it's like too long? Like what's wrong with your hair length? Yeah, apparently this would be too long and it looks like I'm... Like a wild child or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like even like um my piercing. You can't see it, but I have it on my nose. I had a septum one and oh my gosh, I was so nervous getting it. I was like, I know I don't live with them anymore, but imagine if they saw me, they would just scream in their pillows. <laughs> like, But um, so I was... Yeah, I was, you know, I had the opportunity to do it because no one who's gonna stop me like this was does it feel liberating to kind of just like do what you want and be like you know what i'm gonna get a nose piercing yeah exactly i had it for a month i took it off and i was like oh i took it off because i wanted to not because someone told me to take it off because i did have a i did have a piercing that my abuser didn't approve of and they made me take it off immediately they're like oh do you know just just ridiculous things but um so being able to just I don't know. Exp- I didn't really understand when people said, oh, clothing, like you can express yourself through clothing, express yourself through your hair and stuff. I never understood that. I was just like, oh, well, I mean, I-, I can't really like do that. So of course I didn't think that applied to me. But now um, I completely understand that. Like, oh, yeah, if I want to have a piercing today or tomorrow, then 100%. If I want to dye my hair this crazy color, then I can. So that's really nice. It's definitely liberating. I... I don't want to say like I found my voice because I feel like I've always had it. I just, mm. I guess I'm starting to use it. Oh, I, I really think, like that framing. I think I might've seen that on your page. Oh, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, man, we're smarter than we even realized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe your page or maybe another like supportive page. Yeah, but no, I love I was that. like, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. Like, it's not like I've never had these ideas before. I just, now I'm able to act on them. So it's definitely liberating and um, people are nicer than I thought they'd be. I thought everyone was just super mean and stuff um, just because, I mean, that's how it played out, um, you know, in my user's world, of course. But And also has given you like legitimate reason to be worried and fearful and like sort of conditioned to be like, ooh, I don't know like what to expect from people. And I don't always trust that they're just going to be kind because that hasn't been tr- that hasn't been true from you yeah, from like a caretaker, exactly. you know? No, 100%. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. It makes sense as to be as to why you were kind of worried about it. Yeah, no, 100%. I Yeah, I never I I I would have said like I wouldn't say I was really outgoing before I left. But I think now like it, I 
I'm, I definitely wouldn't mind like having a conversation. I think beforehand I'd be like, okay, what are you trying to play at? Like, why are you trying to tell me I have a good day? Like, <laughs> like what is going on? So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a big difference too. Are there things that you do on like a day-to-day basis to kind of like work on this sort of like next phase of independence or does it kind of go with the flow or what does that look like for you? So I didn't realize, but while I was still in that environment, I had kind of already started doing it. I had started like um, finding outlets for myself to like speak out or just try to be independent financially. So I think the first one really was actually applying here. Like I would have never, okay, this is like, this is personal. Like no one's supposed to know this. Like, you know what I mean? So I didn't realize then, but this is another outlet for me to actually start, you know, being able to actually say, this is what I've done. And this is what I decided to do. Not, oh, I did this because my parents thought it was a good idea, you know? So this was definitely one of the first ones. Um, I'm actually very lucky, but I got an internship. Yay! And I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so that'll help me, you know, find some independence financially. So um, I, th- I think things like that, um, just being, just like telling myself, okay, I can actually apply to these things. And um, the results are like whatever comes out, comes out of those actions are completely because of me. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I can finally own everything that I've done. Like for the long time, um, my user wouldn't let me get a job or, you know, I just couldn't really do things outside the house. And I really had to go through like a, I don't know, like a, like approval or whatever. But now it's not that it's completely like just me. So that's it's kind of weird. Yeah. It takes um, a lot to like relearn how to I mean, that's what abuse is. It's someone having literally trying to have power and control over you. So then to like on the flip side, be like, oh, there's no one like lording over me. What do I do? Like it can feel a little foreign to like have to navigate. Like, what do I even want? I've never been allowed to think about what I want, you know? Yeah. And I think even now it's kind of like I forget. I I told this to, to my sibling who I live with. Like, I totally forget like how life was sometimes and I don't know if it's me just trying to forget so I don't have to you know mull mull over it and get all upset but like if I I remember some instances like basic freedoms and like liberties that people you regular people would have which is where I just weren't allowed so I guess when you say what do you do today to like practice it could honestly be anything. I take a shower like at 9 p.m. and no one gets mad at me. Like, it's, yeah. so it's really just like things like that. And like sometimes I, I find myself asking my older sibling, oh, is, okay, is, it, is, it, is it okay if I do this? And she's, and she's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, no way. She's like, you're literally, it'll be something so small. It'll be like, can I read tonight? Like at 10. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> yeah. You don't need to ask my permission. <laughs> you're a grown-ass woman you can read whatever you want (laughs) exactly and it's just like for me we're just like oh oh oh, yeah 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 for sure I knew that like (laughs) but no I do get like a little I don't know it makes me really happy to think about it I just feel super lucky right now to be able to have those little freedoms because I know I remember like thinking when I was still in that environment like I think someone had asked me like like can you like describe your perfect day and like it's I I didn't think I'd be able to like witness those days like actually 
actually live it. But like, yeah. And then like, I, I, I did it today, you know? So it's just like, oh, wow, I'm super lucky. So, um, but now I, I obviously dream of cooler things, yes. <laughs> not just being able to read. Yeah, yeah. dream PM. big, dream big. But it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think that speaks to this piece of like, well, you finally have the space to even begin like exploring what it is that you want. And like, that's really exciting. Who knows? The future is, the future is bright. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. I think so. So, yeah, I think now I just have more time to hope for bigger things than just basic human decency (laughs) so that's that's a huge privilege for me yeah no I um I appreciate appreciate the way that you just said that like when you don't have basic human decency and and dignity because someone's robbing you of it it's really hard to live to your full potential you're you're just trying to survive moment to moment that's like not not a great way to that's not the dream that's not the dream no one should have to live like that yeah, I could definitely say, like, I feel like I am a better person now than I was when I was living in that environment. Um, I don't, I don't, I still don't think, like, living through that excuse any horrible behavior, but I could see where some things I used to do were kind of like a result of that. And um, learning, like, if for me, like, in the household that I was in, showing emotion was like idiotic. Um, so when I would try to have relationships with friends or just like significant others, people I wanted to date, it was kind of like, oh, I am sh-. like, they would ask too much of me emotionally and I wouldn't understand. Or I'd be like, that's dumb. Like, I'm not weak. Like, you know, I'd just be super rude, honestly. Or and, guarded, maybe. Um, yeah, I think guarded, probably. I mean, I, I need to stop like, being so hard on myself. I'm like, you, yeah, girl, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, guarded for a very valid reason, I think, based on the circumstances. And that doesn't mean that, you, you know, I hear you saying, like, I didn't want to be that person. I totally get that. But I think, yeah, it's easy to be really judgmental against ourselves. Oh, 100%. I think that was, yeah, I yeah, 100%. Um, but definitely the person I was is super, super guarded. Um, and so, you know, even going off to college, I even, I was away for only like a few like months at a time because my user was like, well, you still need to be home. So it was just kind of like, okay, (laughs) like I'm still home like every other, like what, two weeks. Um, so even like those small time periods where I would get away, I could like feel myself being a better person. And um, just kind of like be really introspective with myself and try to look over my decisions and be like, well, I mean, the situation didn't really warrant that reaction. Like, just because um, your friend was a little upset and she got mad with you doesn't mean that it's all your fault and everything. You know, you can speak your side and it's valid. So I, I, so little by little, I started like piecing that together and stuff and trying to be a better person I think now if I could go back to the old me I think I would just tell that person to like hey man like we should we should step back I yeah because I learned very very you know very I don't know how it was I feel like it was very quickly that 
if someone's like super upset and they're acting out to to an extent of course that you just have to be a little patient and give show a little love you don't always have to meet fire with fire and that's kind of what it was all the time at the household too so i i i just sometimes i don't know i i I love i love the fact that you know i think i think i just love that entire like concept because i had a little sibling and whenever my sibling would you know obviously be a child (laughs) i would get upset with them just because when i was a child that was not accept that was not acceptable by my i could not run around i couldn't be a kid and so instead of meeting like this childish kid (laughs) with like patience and care um you know at in that household it was just like no, you know you shouldn't be behaving this way. You know, you can't be, you know, I don't no, know it makes, makes total sense. sense. Yeah, so the whole patient and loving as, like, concept, I just find, like, really beautiful just because, I don't know, it's just, like, I've, growing up, I was never shown patience, and I never really gave patience either, but now that I realize how really nice it is to be patient with people, it it's so, like, heartwarming when someone's patient with me. Um I just, I, just, I just try to incorporate that too. Like, oh, you know what? It's fine. Like, I've tried to start with like road rage. If I were to like get upset. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I'll thanks. Oh man, I'm really bad about road rage. I shouldn't, I should not. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I can be. Yeah, I try to be patient. <laughs> I'm going to be trying to be more yeah, like I, you. Like, <laughs> yeah, I try to be more like, you know what? You know what? They're just late. They're just late. I'd expect the same. You know, I'd probably pull some BS moves yeah. like that too. So I've started there. And yeah, I think it's starting to seep into my daily interactions with people. But like kids uh, learn how to behave I, from I like their that. parents. So, you know, and that's yeah. like, um, I think it's really amazing that you're at an age now where you're having enough self-awareness to be able to stop and say, oh, why am I behaving like that? Oh, this is a learned behavior. Oh, I don't want to behave like that. Oh, I don't have to behave like that. It's like, exactly. Yeah. No, I think I saw something on, um, I forgot whose page. Um, and they were like, are you, um, there's this, there's a difference between like being a narcissist and being narcissistically defended. So like, obviously narcissist, um, they usually don't, they, they'll never be able to, like, identify that they're being a narcissist. But I guess someone who is narcissi- narcissistically defended realizes they probably should not have done that, you know? And so um, when I when I first saw that, I was like, okay, okay, so I'm not a horrible person. <laughs> I just, like, like you're saying, like, I would just kind of train that way subconsciously. Um, obviously, I don't want to be a narcissist. You have to untrain yourself <laughs> and, and unlearn all of these learned completely. behaviors. But like all humans are are narcissistic and selfish uh, to some degree. Like that's all a part of the human psyche. It's self-preservation. But the first step to behavior modification is to be able to like have the level of self-awareness to say, oh, wait, I don't want to be doing this. But truly narcissistic people feel completely justified in the way that they behave. Like they don't think that they're doing anything wrong and they don't want to change and they don't feel like they have to change. Exactly. I think hundred percent. Um, yeah. I, I just had a point. It just gets, like left my mind. Um, Man, I don't even know what I was going to say. It'll come back to you. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it'll come back. Um, but no, 100%. They definitely 
I didn't I didn't really understand that concept like oh they 100% know what they're doing um and so I had this, the last time I talked to my abuser um just kind of like okay like it just kind of just told me they really don't know what they've done so I think that also kind of helped with like closure mm-hmm. to an extent because it's like okay so they really don't know what they have done so this this like I mean, it doesn't absolve them at all. It doesn't mean I have to spend time with them. But it, um, I don't know. I don't know why it just kind of felt like, I guess for me, it just kind of felt like closure in the sense of there's not much can do. Can right. Do. That's what I was kind of hearing. It's yeah. like, oh, well, yeah. if they don't think they've done anything wrong, then there's nowhere else to go. There's no negotiating yeah, the relationship. Exactly. Like it is what it is. And I got to look out mm-hmm. for myself right now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I remember t- telling this to one of my ex-partners and they were just like, well, you know, that just sounds like they need somebody to tell them they have a problem. And I was just like, okay, one, you're insensitive. Two, that's good. That, that's just true. You're so right. Like they do need someone to tell them they have a problem. Like genuinely have the patience and like the control to not lash out when they lash out, when the abuser lashes out, to tell them like you actually need to go find some help. But not for me. Yeah. Like that is not. That's so far yeah. away for me. Like you have a good point, but that's n- not my problem. Right. <laughs> so and the the chances. Yeah. I mean, this is really this is a whole other like wormhole topic we could go down. But rabbit hole, wormhole. I don't know. Some kind of hole. Rabbit hole. Some kind of hole yeah. that we're traveling down <laughs> to talk about this topic. But um, yeah. I mean, like narcissistic people. Like I said, like they don't ask for help because they don't think they need help. So it's like this kind of catch 22. Like sometimes when the law gets involved, they'll be mandated to take like anger management or counseling, but in let, but they're being forced to do it and it doesn't actually help because they don't actually think they have a problem and you can't get better from a problem you don't think you have. So it's like, what do you, you it's like a, yeah, you, like, well, yeah, yeah, just, you can't win. Yeah. So um, I feel like at one point I was close enough with my abuser because, you know, I was obviously um, just trying to people please at that point that I could have told them that they needed help. But I remember telling my abuser that they didn't have to physically abuse one of the people I cared about. And, and uh, I wasn't I was fine. Like they didn't hurt me or anything, but they, were, they just kind of looked at me like I was insane. And there's just like, what else do can I do? And I was just like, anything else? Yeah. Anything Anything else but that? Yeah. Yeah, Like, um, so, so yeah, that definitely was kind of like the first, the first sign I kind of saw was like, okay. So the sky's definitely blue, but if you say it's red, it's going to have to be Mm -hmm. red, Mm -hmm. you know? So. Well, um, one of the questions that I ask everybody who's on the podcast is, um, to share like if you had anything that you would want to say to a, another survivor who might be listening right now like what would you want to say oh um yeah um i don't know i just not sure there's so many things you can say them all it doesn't have to be um, one thing <laughs> <laughs> okay well um i think i you know i think i mentioned earlier that um i didn't ever feel like i could ever take control of my life pretty much um I guess I would just like to tell them that having control over your life 
for them to have control over their life isn't bizarre. Like, it's not out of this world. Like, it's actually tangible. And, like, me telling them this probably still won't hit the, you know, hit the spot. But until they start taking, you know, time for themselves to, I don't know. It's just, I wish I could just uh, transfer all that knowledge I have, you know, how I found that to be true to them. Because I know when people would tell me that, to be like, okay, anyway. (laughs) So if I could directly i don't know some way or form tell them for sure with all of like all the guarantee i could possibly give that they completely have control of themselves then i would i would have wished to transcend that through this <laughs> i'm feeling podcast. it I'm, it's transcending directly to me i can do it no that's a really beautiful message yeah. and i think it's helpful for people yeah. to hear i mean that's the whole point of this podcast is like to hear from survivors themselves like not experts, not, you know, and that's all, those roles are all very important. But for you to be able to say like, I'm a survivor, I went through it. If I can do it, you can do it. I think that that's like, it's really hopeful. Yeah. Um, if someone hurts your feelings or whatever, and any, it could be like the smallest thing ever. It's not your fault. You're not emotional. I think that was the biggest thing for me too, because like people, would cry and I would just be like grody you know and I wouldn't give myself that space to cry either or to get upset about anything but it wasn't until I was like you know what they hurt my feelings I don't care how how minimal it was to them they can't tell me that I didn't so I think that would be another one just kind of like give yourself the emotional space have an outlet Mm -hmm. I guess Yeah, yeah I really like that I like that a lot I think it's easy for us to like, I call it like shooting on yourself. Like don't, you know, like I should be doing this. I should react this. It's like, whoa, it's okay to just whatever it needs. Let it be whatever it needs to be. Yeah, definitely. It'll manifest on its own. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's our first step too. Like letting yourself be emotional and then you can kind of like gain emotional intelligence. Because I think... Like, I didn't realize I didn't have emotional intelligence till like, the, like the beginning of quarantine. And it's like, okay, I'm upset right now. Why am I upset? <laughs> like, you know? And so that's when it started, you know, building. So I think being able to be, like, intelligent emotionally on your own will help you, I think, be able to, to, to defend yourself, you know? Like, okay, um, you know, obviously, I think any abuser would get mad, upset with somebody crying, right? And um, they'd be like, why are you crying? Oh, because you said something that was obviously mean. I don't. I want to be treated that way. And even though it's so basic, you know, it's so basic. I don't want to be treated that way. It just, I don't know. It's just powerful to tell somebody. No, no, no. What you said was, you know, was fucked. That's why I'm upset. So I think, I think learning to do that and being able to actually speak for yourself is. It doesn't matter how like baby and childish it is. Um, the way it comes out, of course, I think it's, a, it's the first step, always. I mean, clearly we're a big believer here at We Are Her about using your voice. So I couldn't agree more. I think it's really powerful. Um, it helps you like define a sense of self. It helps you explore your own boundaries, what you're okay with, what you're not okay with. Um, to be able to say, to like use your voice because people have been actively, you know, abusers are actively trying to silence you. And so it's like, you know, using your voice is a way to reclaim your power. Exactly. I, I actually, 
that actually reminds me that I didn't really know about boundaries until I saw it on your page. <laughs> I was so upset with myself. I was like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even have any boundaries for myself. And I, you know, and um, I'm really glad I came over that post because I think now I've been more assertive with myself. Like, okay, um, that's not okay for you to do. And it definitely started with, with me allowing myself to be emotional, like accepting that part. But it was definitely, I was like, okay, so that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, some of the like therapy speaky me, words, it's like, yeah. like I, until you're actually, it's like you can, you can hear the word, but you don't really understand it until it's like integrated into your personal experience. And then it's like, oh, oh, yeah. that's what a boundary is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like at first it seems like, so like, I don't know, like theoretical. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then finally when it's like, it's actually tangible, it's, it's you know, like, happens every day Mm -hmm. that someone tries to you know your boundaries are I don't know always present and then it's just practice you know it's definitely practice because at first I was just like no and they're like what and I was like how to be like no (laughs) you know setting a boundary (laughs) so it's definitely practice makes perfect with that but and sometimes you don't know what a boundary is until you like cross it and that's okay too where it's like, oh, that didn't feel good. I'm going to take a note of that. And that's that now I know where that boundary is. <laughs> but like, sometimes you don't know until you've crossed one and that's okay. It's a, you're not, it doesn't have to look perfect, you know? Yeah. And I think especially after you, you know, you say something about a boundary, you know, you're setting them. I, mean, I know at first I felt really selfish. Oh, like I could have been so much nicer to them, but it was just like, no, like, Girl, you had to be that assertive. Like, they called for it. This situation called for it. It's okay. You're fine. They're not going to you know, <laughs> geek about it, <laughs> you know. I mean, and then especially, I like to think about it as if, how would I treat them? Like, what if what if they had that same exact boundary? And how would, how would I want them to tell me that? Because I know for me, it might be just like an outcome of like dealing with like, um, and, you know, my abuser. But um if someone were to think that I try to hurt their feelings, I would, you know, like, oh, man, like, you know, you tell me how you feel completely. Explain yourself. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me how I made you feel, you know, completely. You know, I would want to make sure that I fully understand how they would like to be treated. So I would. And if it, if it, if it meant that for them to get kind of upset with me, um, I don't know. I guess I would want that same. I would want that same, like, freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's like. The extent to what I would react, I would I would want that back from someone yeah. else. Yeah, and I think it's you're kind of like speaking to this piece too about like relearning what the difference between like conflict and abuse is because conflict is not necessarily like bad. Like we have like we're always going to end up. Not every conflict has to be this big, huge, um, horrible thing. But like it, but like relearning sometimes like when you're coming out of an, of an abusive dynamic, it's like any conflict fit, any conflict feels like abuse or like it, it's hard to differentiate. And it's like, it discomfort is uncomfortable, obviously, but it's okay. And conflict, it can be uncomfortable and, but that's okay. And like learning how to distinguish, like, when is this just like regular conflict and how do I handle it versus like, when is someone really mistreating me or abusing me? And how do I like stand up for myself? It's, it's hard. You got it. A practice <laughs> also takes practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think I've been lucky to like experience that exactly 
here with my older sibling because obviously like sometimes she can act really like witchy <laughs> so we always be butt heads <laughs> but it's just honestly the way that we're able to communicate and you know we never let anything kind of like brush under the rug has really opened to me like okay this is like healthy communication you know there's never been one moment where I just feel like I'm a horrible person and and um it's just never I don't know I just being able to understand that we can have like a conflict like you're saying make up and we're both going to understand that we're both at fault in some way so all that healthy like I think all those healthy problems that eventually arise facing them kind of help me distinguish like okay so this is (laughs) this is this is fine and this is not okay yeah again you're like (laughs) learning and unlearning and I think like have being able to have that safe person to you know have healthy communication or healthy conflict with it's like a corrective experience you know exactly because at first you know I would always imagine if someone's upset with you they would yell at you no one's yelled at me since I got here (laughs) so it's like oh my god people yell at each other (laughs) like I forget and so sometimes I know I know I spent one weekend with one of my siblings who I still kind of have you know who who still doesn't really understand that part that you, you aren't supposed to treat people that way I spent time with that person and they were yelling at me and I was like out of nowhere I was like wait why are you yelling I was just like wait wait oh my god I just like you know like I just realized and they just kind of step back. They're like, oh, my gosh, why am I yelling? You know? So it was like if I hadn't had the things here, you know, the problems here, or the the healthy conflicts that we're talking about or just a healthy environment in general, I wouldn't have. Yeah. So many like epiphanal moments now that you have enough space to actually like explore those things in a safe way. Yeah, exactly. So. Dang. Well, I'm like so excited for you in this like next phase of exploration and discovery of yourself and learning all of these new skills and um that hopefully someday you can help it sounds like you already are like starting to like pass that on to your other siblings and your younger sibling in particular which is really cool um and very beautiful um yeah and with that i i think we're kind of like coming to a natural close but i do always like to give the last word to the to the guests so before we stop recording is there just anything else that you like would want to share or kind of get off your chest or just express i guess if anything i'd like to thank you guys um thank you for giving me this platform i think i think i've told um i think i think it was stevie um you know thank you for giving my application the time of day um thank you for your content i know sometimes it might feel like oh i don't know i don't know i don't know just feel like maybe no one's listening or anything but when i i think when i needed it the most it honestly came at the best time ever so thank you for the content that you post um i don't and then like i started sharing your content on my page and some of my friends followed you guys and then that made me feel so much better i was like Oh my God. So I'm not crazy either, you know? So um, thank you guys so much for your content. Um, I'm not active on Instagram right now, but I, if I, if I was active, I'd definitely be on your page. Oh, well, that's really awesome to hear. Um, yeah. I mean, we put it out and sometimes we hear back from people about the impact it's made and most of the time we don't and that's okay, but it is really cool to hear that. Like it makes a difference 
kind of keeps me like fuel in the fire to keep going and doing the work, you know? Yeah, for sure. I hope it hope so because I, it, it's a very nice like break from like the toxic yeah. social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel that. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, well, thank you again for being on the podcast. This has been a wonderful conversation. You are just a delightful human being. And um, <laughs> thank you. And yeah, with that, I'm going to go ahead and stop recording. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.